Hi, welcome to Joy Score, offering insights and practices to nurture joy in your personal journey. My name is Ellie Lund, and I will be your host. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Smith as part of our series on connecting with creativity to bring joy to your life. Michael C. Smith is a father of four and grandfather of one. He lives in Pomona, California, and is a graduate of the MFA program at the University of Arizona. He's taught writing at six different colleges and universities while pursuing a career at the Department of Treasury. He's the author of Writing Dangerous Poetry and the co-author of Everyday Creative Writing, Planning, Panning for Gold in the Kitchen Sink. His work has appeared in several journals, including the Iowa Review, Seneca Review, Northwest Review, and other publications. His meta-fictional story, Bass Weather, was included in 2017 Best Small Fictions Anthology. And Michael, please let me know if I pronounced that right. Is it Bass Weather or Bass Weather? Bass, like in the fish. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so pleased to have you. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure and and uh, an honor. Awesome. So, um, one of the reasons that Michael has been invited to our podcast is he is an amazing creative spirit, and he has not only written poetry but also fiction. Has taught courses in creative writing and is also pursuing um, the interest of art and has dabbled with uh, some visual art mediums. So today we're going to talk about how does creativity bring you joy? So Michael, yeah, <laughs> please tell us your, tell us your perspective. I'm dying to hear. Well, before we get too far ahead, I'm just actually starting to, I just, I'm just starting to do oil painting and I'm going to need your help. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the solutions now in the chemistry, so we'll see. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I was when you when you asked me to do this podcast, um, I, of course, it was an honor, and and then I thought of the concept of joy, which uh, which it, it occurred to me that I don't use the expression or even use the word in my mind very much, and I was thinking, is there something deficient in me? And then I. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, I, I kind of use it in, as a verb, enjoy, because uh, like, you know, you enjoy your health, you enjoy your relationship. And so I, I kind of turned it around to to see how you can get joy out of things, you know, how whether it's your health, relationships, nature, whatever it is. But but I, I like enjoy as a verb and, you know, the result, the product, hopefully is joy. Hmm. Uh, and, and the relationship between creativity and, and joy, I think, is uh, uh, I, I think they're, they're really bound together. And, and I think probably that our greatest uh, enjoyment occurs when we, we do do something creative and recognize it as such. Whether or not anybody else recognizes it is not important. But I think that probably the, the most uh, profound sense of joy comes from from our own accomplishments and what we create. And, and I think we're in an era now, a troublesome era, no doubt. Uh, but I, I go back to the kind of the Zen uh, 
or the yin and yang concept that with you know that great challenges provide great opportunities and mm. and uh you asked me about the concept of lean in and it was a an expression that i kind of used loosely and kind of recalling that that was the title of a book about women's empowerment but what i meant was basically uh maybe not lean in but but engage and mm. enjoy engage and enjoy so uh the one thing about creativity and i, I think people often say oh, i'm not very creative and i think that's nonsense i think everybody is incredibly creative and i think everybody to me is infinitely fascinating and it's not that you know you're talking to somebody at a party and they're you know with small talk about the weather and you're thinking this is boring well it's only boring because you don't go deeper than that and i think the deeper you get with anybody uh the more you appreciate their uniqueness and the mm. creative part of it for me is is expressing that uniqueness and i think when you accomplish that i think the result is joy hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you have explored the concept of uniqueness in your own life well you know i i and that's an interesting thing i think that some people uh you know are immediately attuned to the possibility of their uniqueness and others have to learn uh for me my, my writing career actually began in the air force when my roommate snuck into my diary and started reading it and uh he came back and he was smiling his oh name God. was his name was charlie hamilton i said he was a smart guy he did like a couple of years at mit and 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 i thought he was you know really a bright guy and uh but anyway he was smiling and and he said i read your your journal i said what you read my journal and he said <laughs> he said yeah you know what you can write <laughs> I said, Charlie, you read my journal? I said, yeah, but you can write. I said, Charlie, you read my journal? I said, but you can. And I thought, okay, I guess I can write. And and it was actually kind of at that point, and that probably was my first real audience, was my my roommate. And, wow. from, that, and from that point on, I don't know. I think it, it set off something in me that, that, uh, uh, that resonated and, and continue through my many years of, of writing and, and my efforts at creativity. And, and uh, I, I let, let me give you an example of, this is a dream I had, but I'm gonna shorten it because it's a very long dream. But the result of the dream is, is this wasp uh, uh, attacking a, a man's lips. And a little boy comes into the room and tells his grandfather, don't worry, grandpa, this attraction for lips in wasps is called sparkling <laughs> and i thought why not right i mean it's a word for something that nobody even thought to, to create a word for and i think that there's infinite possibilities for each of us to pull from our unique depths something like that i mean you could come up i mean one of my favorite words uh in the modern era is uh, is repurposing i think it's a wonderful concept and whether we're repurposing old milk bottles or uh, or something else, you can also kind of repurpose ideas and expressions. And one thing I always advocated with my students was, you know, cliches are our enemy, right? Wrong. Mm. Actually, cliches are our starting point. We arrived at cliches the same way we arrived at the Bible. A lot of years, a lot of wisdom, and things went into it. And I just tell my students, you know, break it out. Another 
expression I like is unpack. Unpack that cliche, challenge it, see its origin, and then maybe write a poem about it as a how you know, or something that relates to your own life. So I, I think I'm going a little afield of the concept of recognizing your uniqueness. But I think that just as a kind of a, 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 a marker for everybody, uh, and I mean everybody, that, that as, as Wallace Stevens said, there is within you, he, he called it the voice that is great within us. And I think each of us has a voice that is great. And if we get to it, however it's expressed, and, and voice suggests that it's audible and writing, but that voice can also be an expression of ideas, it can be a lot of different things, uh, but I think just a, a a belief in your uniqueness and 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 a belief that when you express it, and it can be hard. I I, I think that can be very hard. And I I, I uh, one of my favorite people, Jordan Peterson, says, "Do hard things," because if you do hard things and fail, well, you failed at doing a really hard thing. But if you do easy, convenient things and you succeed, or or particularly if you fail at some doing something easy, you, you feel you don't feel so good. So anyway, I, I think those uh, just that belief and confidence in your uniqueness, I think can I mean just keep returning to that regardless of what you're doing, whether you're embroidering, doing oil painting, writing a poem, a novel, an essay, whether you're uh, repurposing an old bookshelf and and doing some things that just seemed beyond your ability i i think that when you do stretch yourself and you go to the point of just when you have a problem and you you just do everything you can to solve it you don't get help or anything until you've exhausted all that is within you uh only at that point you know get help but i think everybody would be surprised at just how much their own uniqueness can contribute to not only their uniqueness, but their productivity. Hmm. So I want to go back to a couple of things that you've said that as an artist, I also resonate with. And the first one is having confidence in your uniqueness. Yes. So for me as an artist, I did not have original confidence in my uniqueness. I just produced art. And it wasn't until my friend Phil was like, you know, your art needs to live by itself needs to have its own life, um, that I started realizing that, oh, maybe someone might want to buy my painting, you know, like, okay. So that original confidence doesn't come right away, I think. Um, but the exploration of the uniqueness is something that we can all do. And sometimes we don't because we don't give us our, we don't give ourselves permission. Yeah, yeah. And and why is that? I think that it has to do with societal norms of productivity. It, you think and, that's more has more impact on women than on men. I hate to get into gender here, but I was just I was just thinking that expression lean in comes from a book about empowering women. And in terms of uh, what you were just talking about, I was just wondering if there's a gender a, a gender issue there that those who don't, you know, uh believe in their uniqueness maybe have not been called upon to engage it right and i feel that because of our gender socialization in terms of you know being a mother taking care of the household you know we just don't give ourselves permission and especially it, as a latina woman as a female latina in a subculture um i 
have always waited for permission. And I find that is true of some of my students who are of different ethnicities. Um, so there's this concept of waiting for permission. Hmm. And the concept also of, you know, having time to do it. Hmm. Like, because I'm supposed to be busy, I'm supposed to be doing things, I'm supposed to you know, constantly be working, especially in the society that we have a future oriented society in which we're always searching to become more instead of just relaxing in the way of who we are. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's, there is that kind of push and our culture is, you know, predominantly, you know, capitalistic, we, we you know, productivity and, and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, there's one reason why I value liberal arts education. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, you're an elitist because you had one. Well, I came from poverty. But in any case, liberal arts gave me great sources of joy. I mean, learning the history and the ideas and, and, and man, I mean, it, I would read about scientists and how they I'm reading right now a book about genes. And I'm just so impressed with Mendel, who... <laughs> who failed his, you know, his exams in biology and uh, math and other, he kept failing those exams, but nevertheless developed our, our first idea of genetics. It didn't take an education. So I, I think that, that the things that you do on your own for yourself, based on your quest for your uniqueness or drawing upon it or giving whatever you do, the flavor of that uniqueness is more important than in, in the materiality that we impose upon each other in this culture. So I, I think that's, I mean, I, I think the next stage of human development will be an expansion of consciousness, as I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. that, that at some point we're going to stop, you know, being in love with stuff and start being in love with ourselves and our ideas and appreciate each other for those ideas. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. In all the years I taught for 40 years, and it's just amazing how many students didn't think they had anything going. And I would push them and they would push into their own experiences, their biographies or their imaginations, their fancies. And they, they would at some point go, whoa, oh, man, I, I didn't know I had that in me. And I say, you, you've got a lot more. So uh, the, the concept of permission is interesting to me because I think you're, I think there probably is a gender thing there where you maybe women feel like they need permission and men don't uh, or maybe in individual families what your family values you know is the thing that you walk away with uh, but in, in terms of art it, it, it to me I, I there's I, I want to get rid of sort of the elitist idea of art and creativity as the province of uh, you know the talented the gifted or geniuses I think I think that is probably one of the most important sources of, of our appreciation of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I also find it's the place where we lose. It's so transportive. It's the place where we lose the sense of time and the sense of yes. uh, obligations yes. and worries and anything that deals with that. And because of that, I feel it's connected. It's a portal to joy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I mean, the concept of time when you are engaged in a creative project uh, changes. I mean, since I've been painting, I, you, know, you know, it's clearly kept me out of trouble. Uh, <laughs> but I would sit there for five, six hours and, and just, I, what am I doing? I'm just, and I, you know, I can't get away from it, you know, whether I'm working off of 
another piece or it's completely abstract, but it's like, man, the time, it changes the idea of time when you're engaged in creativity. It totally does. And it's been wonderful to watch my own daughter go through this process. Um, You know, she's working full time on Zoom, you know, doing PR all day long. And then having the time to write music and compose and learn how to play guitar and learn how to sing and just having that witness of that creative blossoming. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great to see you and I have seen and it's great to watch in our students. And it's also something else to see it in ourselves. But um, it's just fascinating and wonderful to see and nurture yeah, exactly. And then, and how did she come up with, uh, now I'm interviewing you a little bit, how did she come up with the guitar and singing as a, a, a new pursuit? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Gabriella was a dancer and she played right. piano for almost 10 years. I think someone gave her a guitar and it was something that was in her dorm or her apartment and she just started strumming it and then realized, I think I want to learn how to play this. And also there was something deep inside of her that connected with the guitar. And I think because I played guitar when I was pregnant with Gabriella, it actually just kind of, it's like a memory. Oh yeah. A fetal memory. Yeah. I like that Socratic idea of remembering who we are, you know? So, um, yeah. I also, last time we talked, you mentioned, um, a couple of things that I want to touch on because of the connection between mindfulness and creativity. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the story of you walking through the desert. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, mindfulness, I suppose, has, has some probably some broad definitions and implications. But uh, I, I, I thought I'd discovered something, but then found out later that other people have been doing something like this but in any case i always out in the desert for a period of time kind of kind of rebuilding myself I, I don't know it was a new life and i was off in the desert and 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 uh i don't know what occurred to me i was at the top of a mountain and i thought i'm just going to take off my clothes now i'm sorry i i did take off all my clothes nobody was around <laughs> nobody was around no, no nobody was hurt but but i was i walked uh, for a ways and 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 I realized that uh, most importantly, I didn't want to get hurt. <laughs> now that sounds like very simple, but the thing is to avoid that when you're walking on a lot of things that can hurt your feet, you know, cactus and gravel. You pay so much attention to that that everything else recedes into the background. And suddenly, suddenly, this is the most important thing. And it's maybe a, a bit of an exercise, but when you've done that. Uh, all all the things that receded to the background present themselves in a new light because you you've basically just resorted to your own resources and 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 you haven't been contaminated with you know prejudices or ideas. You're it's just you're in the moment. You know, to be here now, like Ramdas said. You know, you, when you're doing that, you are right there. And and. Uh, so I, I extended the journeys. I think I walked a couple of miles uh, barefoot and, and did that periodically. And I, I want to do it more. But it, but it did. I, I think for me, that was when the word mindfulness actually came alive. I mean, I'd heard it before and it had been bandied about a lot and a lot of different techniques and strategies for achieving that. But I found and I'm not even sure this is 
you know, should be in the catalog of mindful activities. But, um, but for me, it, it really did, uh, in a way that nothing else had done, um, freed my head. And I kind of want to go back to that because I feel like as an artist, that's something I do. Like metaphorically, not, you know, metaphorically walking in a space where I have acute focus, right. a, a deep concentration of focus right. that allows me to connect with my subject, whether it's a, a vase or flowers or a portrait or a still life of other things that almost creates a synergistic union with my subject. Yeah. And as a writer, I feel that that's also something that could be highly beneficial in terms of descriptive writing or songwriting or whatever you want to, you're into photography or whatever it is. Yeah. Having, I mean, having done, I, I, now I, I don't, I haven't read so much about mindfulness, but I, but after the period of clearing your head, it, there's kind of a silence there and then things kind of flow back into your head and you can evaluate them in a strange way. You can, you can determine what's, what's useful, not useful, important, not important, in a, in a kind of a new way, it's sort of, uh, um, I don't know when I, when I, when I do dishes, I always make sure I have one sink completely clear. <laughs> so, cause it gives me something to work with, you know, if, if all the, if all the, the sinks are, it, it's just overwhelming, but I think mindfulness is in a way of kind of keeping a clear sink so that then you can, the things that come from your imagination, your thoughts, ideas, feelings, emotions, intuitions, can can you have an opportunity to look at them i don't want to say objectively because everything is subjective but you can look at them in in perhaps a different light and uh and come up with new new values uh and and so i think i don't know whether my i I don't know whether the state of mindfulness is an enduring you know 24 hour 24 7 state but for me it had that function uh and and i think for you know other artists and 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 other people, I think uh, that perhaps they have to have moments when they're just clear. Right. And then, you know, that goes into the field of awareness. Yeah. yeah. And being able to notice what's in your field of awareness as a higher self and having that space between you and what you're observing. So I'm being mindful of the feedback that I'm hearing here on our, on our podcast. There's one more thing that I would like to uh, explore that we talked about. And it was the story of meeting the young woman at, in Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. Who was an artist. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I, I, I should preface this by saying I, I, when I went out to Joshua Tree, uh, I wanted to be cool. <laughs> and, uh, and the first thing I did was to buy a, a poncho. <laughs> so, so I, I, I sat outside this restaurant called the the natural sisters restaurant i don't know if you know it but anyway i was sitting there being cool in my poncho and um and i started a conversation with this the, these two women and one of the, the women uh i, I asked her w- what she did and because most of the people at joshua tree are tourists and and she said well i'm an artist i'm like oh that's great because i think that when you live in joshua tree you're you're supposed to be an artist or a musician and i was a little cynical of that response and then i asked her well so what's your medium 
uh, art medium, she said, well, I don't know yet. I haven't decided. And I was really cynical at that point going, you are calling yourself an artist and you haven't even decided on your medium. I mean, you know, and, and for a long time, I, I was very sort of critical of that young woman. Then I thought about it for a moment and I thought, well, no, wait a minute. She knows she's creative. She, she has somehow proven that to herself. And now it's just a matter of picking out the best media for expressing that creativity, that art, that art. And so I, I, uh, I, I kind of admired that. Although at first I thought it was kind of a privileged position to be in because she did manage somehow to travel around the world with no evident means of doing so. But in any case, um, uh, I, 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 I was thinking about that and I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. I, I, I think that you, you know that about that yourself. And I think we all have within us, uh, again, the voice that is great within us. If, if we, if we hearken to that thing, that element and go, this is important to me, then, okay, you don't necessarily have to have a medium yet. And, and before you, you know, commit yourself to something, you know, I mean, she was probably 22, I guess. And she's got a lot of years to discover her medium. But I, I, I found that kind of, uh, it was a, a bit revelatory coming from a position of cynicism to going, yeah, that's, I can, I can embrace that. Mm-hmm. And you talked about also, you know, it's really about how you see the world. Yeah. And how the world sees you. Right. And that really resonated with me because as a young artist in my 20s and early 30s, um, my friend, Phil, would change me. Well, are you really an artist? You're not painting every day and you're not, you know, putting your work out there. And, I'm, and I, of course, got a little defensive and I was like, yes, I am an artist. It's about how I see the world. Yeah. It's not about if I'm making a painting right now. I could be doing other things that are creative. I could be planting a garden or yeah. Yeah, singing yeah. a lullaby to my baby. Yeah, yeah. Or coming up with another word for when diamonds are shaken in a can. <laughs> but I, 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 it's kind of sad that, that he kind of, in that question, kind of uh, compelled you to look, you know, into the, the public uh, nature of your art. And it, it's always been a problem to me. Uh, I mean, in the last year, I've submitted my novel to 73 agents and publishers and have been rejected. Now, not the whole novel, just the, you know, the, the queries and whatnot. But, but the thing is, I, I still believe in it, you know. And, and the thing is that once it gets published, and oh, it will get published, <laughs> even, if <I> have to, <laughs> even if I have to pay for it. But, but in any case, when it is published, I, I will, there will be all those rejections behind it. If I, mm. if I didn't get any rejections or one rejection uh, and I published the novel, then what would I think about the next time I try it? The next time, if I got 20 or 30 rejections, I might quit. So uh, one, of, one of the things that happened kind of early in my poetry career is that I got some, some unusual recognition for an undergraduate. I had a poem published in, in a prestigious literary magazine people in my program knew about it before I did. And, and suddenly I was a, a, a mini celebrity. And uh, it gave me an expectation that was completely unrealistic. I mean, the years that followed, I could, I could paper my house and your house with rejection slips. But I, I think 
too early success kind of kind of messed me up a little bit. So when when you're saying, you know, are you selling your paintings? Are you getting out there? Are people appreciating it? I, I think that uh, the more that doesn't happen, you know, that when it does happen, it will be of more value. But I don't think I th and I think you agree with this, that it really isn't about other people. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's about the discovery of your inner self. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, and I thought, well, well, if, if I don't publish, I mean, this long writing career, and I'm not like a famous, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning writer, what will I think of myself? And I'm going to think this of myself. I'm going to think that through all those explorations and whatever medium, I learned so much about me and my relationship to the world and my time on it that it doesn't even quite make any difference whether I sell or I publish. I mean, I'd love to, of course, but uh, but at the same time, what you just said is is true. I think you know, appreciate yourself, and uh, but I don't think though. I do want to stress kind of one thing that's come to me in 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 my age. I'm really old now, but 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 <laughs> but, but I've come to uh, because when you get to a certain age and you don't move around so much, it's like, you know, it's kind of easy to, you know, slouch down in your easy chair uh, and, and then kind of seek comfort and convenience. And I really have been challenging the concepts of comfort and convenience. Uh, you know, I want to, it's like for everything that you do, you know, labor saving devices, our economy has thrived capitalism on labor saving devices but I think what we should do is is discuss labor-loving devices, things that make mm -hmm. us love. Like I, I mentioned washing the dishes maybe too much, but when I do it, I, I, I actually create a ritual use. I, I used to just like burn incense, have some tequila, you know, a candle, <laughs> set up an atmosphere, the lights down low, and kind of loving the labor of washing dishes by hand. I mean, it's there's a tactile, immediate, concrete, pleasure in doing that so uh um i, I think that if we challenge I, I like the concept of challenge and opportunity you know challenge cliches challenge your preferences i've changed some of mine challenge your challenge comfort and convenience i mean if, if we're if our planet is being ignited by our need for comfort and convenience then i think it's time to change our values and i hope it's not too late Mm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really love the concept of challenge inside of creativity because I'm hearing you say, like, I see the pattern and challenge coming up over and over again. And I feel that that's also related to novelty in the brain. And when you create that novelty in the brain or that problem solving kind of like critical analysis, it ignites the brain and keeps it younger. You know, it creates all of these dendritic branches that keeps the vitality inside of your brain. And I see my dad, uh, he's in his 80s now, and he's constantly writing. He reads about nine newspapers a day. Does he still sing? He does sing, but not as much. Oh, so okay. He's a wonderful singer, and I, I'm hoping Gabby got that gene. But uh, <laughs> So there's really a, a powerful truth and wisdom in what you're saying about challenge. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I really, you know, you know, when I, when I think that something is uh, too hard, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, like I don't want to go get my flu shot. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> right. But but I'm like embracing. I'm going okay, right? If I feel pain, that means I'm alive. Okay, so yes. so so you know everything that I that I like uh, kind of discouraged me or I, I step away. I, I'm looking at a new going. Wait a minute now, go into it. And and I think that in our current situation with all the challenges that we have now, I think the 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 view of of there being opportunities commiserate with the degree of the challenge needs to be almost an article of faith and i'm not particularly religious but i think that if you if you consider every challenge that you encounter has within it opportunities that you haven't even touched yet that will help you address that challenge whether it's creativity or whether it's whether or whether it's mechanical or psychological but but i think that it, it has you know i wish i I wish I'd had this idea when I was 20. I don't know. I'd probably be exhausted. But uh, <laughs> just like going into things that are hard and going, okay, I'm going to, this is hard, but but I'm going to learn something. I'm going to feel better about myself. At the end of it, you know, it's just an ugly thing. Um, and, and at the end of it, if if you fail, well, then you can say, you know, I, I failed at something hard, okay? I didn't fail mm-hmm. at something easy, which is, you know, disgraceful. But, you know, I took on something. My canvases are getting bigger and bigger, Ellie. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's so, um, that's awesome. You know, I keep thinking about doing this challenge. And one of the things when I was studying psychology, I was absolutely mesmerized by memory. Right. Dementia, Alzheimer's, and memory, how it worked. Why, why don't I have that good of memory, spatial memory versus chronological? And I started, I made myself play the piano in the last, I suppose, three or four years. And one of the things that I struggle with is... The last, the last three or four years of what? Of my life. I mean, those, in, you mean in these last three or four years? Yes, oh, okay. in these past three or four years. And so I started playing the piano to help with my coordination and my memory because there's this like cross integration of the left and right hemisphere because of the way the notes are written and the interpretation and the mathematics and everything that goes along with playing piano. And also like the feeling of playing piano and the emotion, which is where I wanted to go first, but I couldn't because I had to learn how to do it on my left side of the brain. Right. So I really has helped my memory and it just, I don't know. I think that, Sometimes challenges are hard because we label it as such. You're right. You're right. Well, I, yeah, and I'm not even sure that they, you even use the word challenge. It's like, oh, that's disagreeable. That's an ugly thing to do. That's going to hurt. That's going to smell bad. I don't know. But <laughs> that's, I have stories about that that I'm not going to share with you. <laughs> um, but but also, one thing about me is I, I discovered um, I was I was kind of um offended or kind of uh bitten by a comment once uh about being a dilettante and uh when it came to singing i was doing karaoke and somebody said why are you doing karaoke there are people who you know spend their entire lives learning how to sing and now you want the same attention they want and i thought 
that's a good point. You know, I, I, but I, but at the same time, I love doing it, you know, and I'm a bit of a butterfly. I, you know, I like a little bit of everything. And, and I know mostly because I studied for, you know, many years and taught for many years, writing and poetry. I, I, I feel kind of like an authority there because I wrote the book, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But on other things, you know, I, I at one point I felt like kind of a dilettante, you know, and I'm seeking attention for these amateurish elementary productions. As you can see, everything on Instagram <laughs> It's not even done. I'll put it on there. But but I but the thing is, I'm learning and and uh, one one principle that that I tried to I tried to instill within my kids unsuccessfully, I think, was that that. Uh, when they expressed that they weren't interested in something, whatever it was, you know, uh, and I'd say, so, okay, you're not interested in it. What do you know about it? Like, I don't know anything. I said, exactly. Exactly. If you don't know anything, you can't possibly be interested. So the idea that interest somehow can somehow could somehow come before knowledge to me is, is kind of ridiculous. I, I mean, the more, you know, the more interested you are and the more you love, so knowledge, interest, love is a path to, you know, I, I think for, for creativity as well as a lot of other pursuits, you know, uh, the, the more we know, the richer we are, you know, in, in spirit and in, in intellect. Mm. Wow. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff that you, a lot of like amazing treasures that you're offering in terms of like wisdom and um, and the field of creativity and mindfulness. I just want to capture some of those to kind of set up some of the ideas that we talked about today. And um, wow, this is just awesome. So just for our listeners, um, just there was just so much that was offered today that I kind of want to highlight the idea of how unique you are. Yes, that's a cliche, but expressing your uniqueness and understanding that, that there are infinite possibilities for each of us to touch our uniqueness in the words of Michael Smith. And um, also the idea of unpacking cliches. So many of my writing students would say, well, Miss Ellie, like, why would I write that? That book has already been written. And it's because it's coming from you. It's your voice. Right. It's your life. Right. And so like, um, looking at unpacking uh, the cliche and really understanding its origin and how it relates to your life, because your life is the most important life. Right. Additionally, um, Michael spoke to us about, um, you know, doing hard things, embracing challenge, like reframing it and exploring it and exhausting it so that you can really come in touch with the inner self. And that creative process is what brings you joy. Um, lastly, he talked about the idea of going into it, leaning into it and understanding that, um, knowledge and interest are the doors to creativity. So really kind of diving into whatever it is that interests you so that you can explore those possibilities and understand the inner self at a deeper level. Well, Michael, thank you uh, so what, much. What, for... just one more last, yes. last point. Yes. I want to give a shout out to questions. Oh. Um, and say, honor the miracle of questions. If you think about it for a moment, what if we weren't able to ask questions? I mean, just for a moment, a life without questions. I mean, it is such a gift, the ability to question things, to ask questions. And, and, and I, I'm people who, you know, that I'm 
usually drawn to are those who ask not just you know silly questions like how are you but but questions real questions and i think that the questions are just a, a great gift uh, yeah, socrates knew it i mean that's the way he taught and one of the things i i learned when i was teaching and somebody i read someplace and you know good pedagogical practice is never to ask students questions that you know the answer to you know like you know like when was when did King George die? I know the answer to that question. Actually, I don't. But 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 when you're talking to your students, the questions that you ask them would be, "What did you think of King George? How how did knowing about him affect you or relate to anything in your life?" I don't know the answer to that question because only the student does. So I I found that that questions are just a way of of the best thing in the world. Love them. Yes. Oh, love the questions. <laughs> love the questions. So uh, thank you so much, Michael, for talking to us today. My pleasure. And feel free to cut. I think I just yammered. <laughs> so just a reminder to everyone, a friendly reminder that this podcast is available to you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and your favorite podcast platforms. If you haven't done so yet, please rate and review us. We'd love to hear from you. And um, I also love to follow these up or introduce them with a blog. So I'm also blogging about some of the ideas that um, Michael Smith shared with us today and how it resonates with me um, as an artist or creative being. Um, we hope that we have offered some insights and practices for your personal journey. And thank you for being with us today. Bye. Have a sweet day. Thank you. Bye.